Hello everyone and welcome to the Throwback Bookstack. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. We're really happy that you're here to join us again because this week we are talking about Aaron Cushman's 1994 book, Catherine, called Birdie. This book is amazing. <laughs> this book is so good. <laughs> this book is the best book. Yeah. Join us on this, this beautiful journey of this book. So I read this book when I was like, I had to be like 10, I think, 10 or 11. And I remember buying it. You can see how old my book looks. I bought it in a used bookstore, so it was already used when I bought it. Can confirm the cover is falling off. Yeah. It really, it like, it's not just the cover. It's like halfway through the book that it's yeah. falling off. And I bought it specifically because we were taking a vacation and we were flying on a plane for the first time ever. And my parents brought me there as like, you need something to distract you on the plane. <laughs> like, And so this was the book I bought. And then I read it many, many times after that. And I loved it. And I still do. <laughs> I never read this book. And I am sad for younger me and present me that I have lived 30 something years of my life without this book. Um, I just want to do a shout out if you guys have never seen this book. I don't know what, I think maybe you had the updated cover on the book that you read. Yeah. Which is not as good as this amazing cover. <laughs> the original cover is basically so, her face and her face is amazingly judgmental. It is. And um, so a quick, just a little very quick summary, I think, is that um, this book is about a girl who lives in the year 1290. And it's basically a diary of her year. And it's kind of like, they make a lot of like reasons why a 14-year-old girl in the year 1290 would know how to read and write, because that's very uncommon. There are a lot of excuse, like, they are very clear on all the reasons why. And like, the big thread line through her year in her life is that she does not want to get married, but her dad wants her to get married to someone like rich, basically, <laughs> that will help him out. And so I would like to point out on this cover, it's done in a slightly, like, almost like Byzantine kind of medieval style, just like a little bit. And if you look carefully in the background, she's about, like, pulling a pulley that will dump a bucket of water on this, like, old bald dude's head. Oh my god. <laughs> and she is just doing it with the most calm, judgy expression of, yes, I am just pulling this bucket of water on him. She spends a lot of the year basically pranking suitors to try and drive them away. And it's all amazing. Yeah, and that's basically all it is. It's just a year in the life of her, and she is determined not to get married. I mean, but there is more. Because, for instance, yes. like, her mother is pregnant, and there's a lot of concerns that she might die. She'd had several miscarriages in the past. Uh, her brother gets married, gets widowed, gets married. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of it is about her relationship with her family and her very few friends, and sort of how those relationships change over the course of a year. And, like, how she goes as a person. and But a lot of just, like, this is what it was like to live in the year 1291. In a kind of way where, like, I mean, she is much more modern than I think. She's not true to a character of what I think a 14-year-old girl would actually be like in 1291. Oh, yeah, she has much. a very modern, snarky sentiment um, to her. But the, the, the author is clearly, like, she's clearly really enjoying showing us, like, how gross it was to live in this year. Or, like, how... Maybe people in this year weren't quite as prudish as you think. Like, this wasn't the Victorian era. There's a lot of sex in this book. A lot of the book has people coming out of haystacks, basically. There's a lot of jokes about, oh, they went out to, you know, pick uh, branches and there'll be a lot of babies come the fall. Right? Or like, guess we need a new Virgin Mary after I found <laughs> her in the barn. Like, it, Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis on things like dung and like 
the different cures she uses and a lot of the sort of like fleas there's a lot of flea killing so it really gets into sort of a much more gritty description of the world than you normally see in these kind of historical fiction books she's not afraid to describe what the bathroom is like yeah there's a lot of talk of her in the bathroom she uses the bathroom which is not a bathroom it's like an outhouse basically yeah and she hides in there a lot (laughs) so she's constantly describing it (laughs) um there's also one particular one uh, that really grossed me out, the scene where her diary entry is about how she developed a rash from the way her clothes rubs against her, and she wanted to take a bath because she thought the dirt was making it worse, but this is in the middle of, like, December, I think? Mm-hmm. And she's like, but they had taken the one bathtub in the entire house where, like, 30 people live, because it's, like, the family and all the servants and all the people, like... Uh, and turned it upside down and used it as a table so no one would be able to take a bath until spring. (laughs) And I was like, there's so many horrific things in that (laughs) sentence. Yeah, she is amazing. She's very snarky, and she's also someone who, you know, she's a 13-year-old girl. She has a very specific opinion of the world. She's also upper class. She's an outlook of the world that's very much shaped by that, and so you can definitely see her as a fallible character. You can definitely see the places where she's not seeing what's happening in a situation that she's describing, and it's all just delightful. Yeah, she oftentimes thinks about how she wishes she was a peasant because she thinks they have a much happier life. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, maybe not, girl. No. And there are a couple of times where like, some of her illusions are shattered. She spends in the first part of the book talking about how She's too sheltered, and, like, she's never even gotten to go to a hanging, and hangings are great fun. And she finally sneaks away and tries to go to one, but when she gets there, the people they're hanging are, like, two very young boys. And she's, like, kind of horrified and ends up running away from the hanging and, like, throwing up and being, like, they're dead now. Like, what? And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are a little sheltered girl. <laughs> like yeah. And a lot of her expectations, like, when she does run away and things like that, that are end up being sort of shattered by the world around her. But they do such a good job of portraying it where she's both sympathetic and you can be like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not how that is. So Catherine has three older brothers. One of them is a monk and has taught her how to read. And this is incredibly outrageous because, like I said, she has three older brothers and parents. And the only two people she knows who know how to read are her and the brother who taught her. This is just not a common thing that people know. So it's, like, a very, very crazy setup of, like, okay, you have to suspend some belief. Like, there's a lot of, like, okay, fine, this girl can write, sure. And that she has, you know, the resources to have things to write on and materials to do so. Yeah. But the two things I did like were, A, her journal entries are great because they're about the length I think a person would actually write. Yeah. Like, a lot of times in this sort of, like, setup where it's like someone's actually writing journal entries, um, they're way too long, and it's like, no one would actually write this entire chapter as a journal entry in the, like, 20 minutes before they go to bed. That they're These they're, are, like, very realistic, and, like, sometimes they're just short and crabby. Like <laughs> They're very short and punchy in a really good way. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that another thing her brother gives her when he she, like, starts this journal is he she gets this diary of saints. And so every single day she writes whose saint day it is and why they're a saint. That sounds so boring. The saints are amazing. Oh, no. I have highlighted a few of my favorites, which I will share right now because everyone has to know these are amazing. 18th day of February, feast of St. Udelm of Little Sodbury, about whom nothing is known except that she was a saint. And I do not even know how we know that. 
Ninth day of September, feast of St. Ciaran of Clonmacnoise, an Irish abbot who used a fox to carry his papers until it ate them. I'm sorry, I did not pronounce that correctly at all. Eighth day of June, feast of St. William of York, at whom my great-great-great-great-great-grandmother once threw a cabbage. So she also gets very personal with these. Yeah, sometimes the saints do, like, devolves. First day of February, Feast of St. Bridget of Ireland, who turned her bathwater into beer for visiting monks. That's my favorite, because that's how I would live my life. 28th day of November, Feast of St. Juthwara, who wore cheeses on her chest and was beheaded by her stepbrother. 26th day of October, Feast of Saints Ita and Bean, which I think is very funny. Oh, I have, um, 23rd day of March, Feast of St. Gwynir, who grew thirsty while hunting, so struck the ground with his staff, and three fountains sprang up. One for himself, one for his horse, and one for his dog. The Irish have always taken good care of their animals. <laughs> this one, when she's mad at her dad. 11th day of May, Feast of St. Creedon, who killed his father, and in remorse became a hog herd and a saint. And she writes, I wonder how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so much is so good. So at the end of one of the entries, it says... Rain tomorrow. It is certain always to rain heavily on the feasts of St. Simon and Jude. And then the next entry is 20th day of October, Feast of St. Simon and Jude. She writes, Sunny. <laughs> um, this one I really like. 25th day of November, Feast of St. Catherine, a virgin of Alexandria whose body was broken on a spiked wheel. Then she writes, Catherine, who's my own namesake, Saint, I w was, I know, a princess who refused to marry a pagan emperor, but I do not understand the part about her dying on a spiked wheel. What is a spiked wheel? Where are the spikes? What is it for besides murdering virgins? How is she fastened on? Was it lying on the ground or upright? Why didn't they just put an arrow through her? So Catherine's the best. <laughs> She's so great. So I guess do we want to do other quotes then now, since we're kind of quoting, oh, yeah. quoting, quoting so many saints? I have one more saint day. Okay. <laughs> Um, 21st day of January, St. Agnes's Day. Another virgin martyred rather than not marry a heathen. I wonder what is so bad about heathens. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, she loves all the saints who are basically martyred for not getting married. She's very preoccupied with how they do it. <laughs> right. What's their secret? It's pretty great. Um, yeah, more quotes. She's, God, sorry, there's gonna be a lot book. of wrestling of me, like, I could... Yeah, basically, she's so snarky. Um, I also like every once in a while she talks about clothing. Yeah. Um, they don't dwell too much on it. They don't really describe much of what people were wearing in the medieval times and stuff. Um, but she talks about things she thinks are beautiful sometimes. Like, she describes her own wedding dress once, and it's bonkers. It's, like, bright red with yellow ribbons dripping off it and purple boots and, like, all these just accessories. And then she, like devolves into like and then the, there would be musicians following me and they would be dressed like me too <laughs> like it's pretty much just mardi gras she's describing she um, would have so much fun she also talks about this story that someone told about like the queen riding off to like do battle and the crusades and all this stuff and it's like and she wore a tight-fitting hose and red leather boots to the knees with orange silk lining i would walk to the holy lands for red boots with orange silk lining <laughs> So one thing I want to share is actually the very first entry she writes in this, because I feel like when you read it, you're like, I understand why a literary agent would pick up this submission, read that first page and be like, I must read more. And it's why when you read it, you're like reading this first entry and going, yep, this is what we're doing. So the first entry is 12th day of September. I am commanded to write an account of my days. 
I am bit by fleas and plagued by family. That is all there is to say. Oh, it's so good. Which is pretty much the summary of the entire book. One of her things that she hates doing that she's always, like, forced to do is that the ladies are always supposed to be the ones who, like, doctor people. They aren't really doctors. (laughs) And so this one, she's always getting, like, people have to come to her and be like, I have this gross, disgusting ailment. What should I do? And then she always has to put some sort of gross, disgusting remedy on them. Uh, So this entry. Father Hugh came to dinner after Mass. He is infested with boils and blotches and sought the aid of my lady mother. To test my skills in doctoring, she asked what I would advise. I thought the best remedy was to throw himself in the river, but at loud I advised an ointment made of oil of bay and a bath once in a while. (laughs) Um, So there's a point where she is infatuated with a young man named Jeffrey who is staying with her father and being fostered there, and he turns out to be kind of a terrible person, just very obnoxious. But there's a great quote of, I stared boldly at him as he served my father at dinner yesternoon, but he looked only at the floor. I must take care to always wear my best shoes. I love how she always calls men beautiful if yeah. she thinks they're good looking. I think that's where I got it. I tend to say that and people are always like, what? And I'm like, no, he's beautiful. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's from this. Like, maybe I picked that up when I was 10 years old. Uh, of course, Kelly, I have to mention the one thing about the weather that I down was is that there's like three journal entries in a row about the storm yeah and how they talk about when the storm is coming the priest says it's the work of the devil and like all during the storm he rings the church bell to drive the devil away but the devil is winning and all that and i would like to make note that although this is crazy Mm -hmm. it is not quite as crazy as it seems growing up in america because storms are way more rare in europe Like, there's not, like, thunder and lightning type storms as often. But there's rain. There's rain, but not, like, thunder and lightning storms. Isn't a storm rain? No. A storm is thunder. I mean, a storm, I guess, could be rain if it's just, like, a lot. But But usually when I use the word storm, it involves, like, thunder and lightning. And Mm. that's, I think, what they're talking about when... Only once in the entire year was there something where they're like, the devil is here. Mm, okay, that makes sense. But I'm just saying, you could have a storm without thunder and lightning. Uh, what do I you mean, call it when it rains a lot, then? I just say it's raining. You'd be like, it was raining pretty hard. It was a storm. It rained a lot. There was no thunder and lightning. It's not a storm. You could have... <sighs> or hail. If there's hail, I will allow you to call it a storm. <laughs> you could have a storm without thunder and lightning. I'm not saying you can't, but it would have to be a lot. I feel like you and I also have different opinions of what a lot of rain looks like. Yeah, you did not grow up in the Midwest. No. I'm going to go ahead and throw I'm that out I'm very happy there, about so. that fact. The thunder and lightning are terrible. I, I don't want them anywhere near me. Grow- no, thunder and lightning are great. This is what I got to say. I had a German exchange student one time, mm-hmm. and she was horrified by her attitude about storms. There was, like, a thunderstorm while she was there, and we got out lawn chairs and were sitting on the porch watching it and being like, ooh, do you think there'll be a tornado? And she was like, shouldn't we be hiding somewhere? Okay. Wait. So if a thor- storm ha- if a storm has to have thunder and lightning, why do you have a thunderstorm then? To thunderstorm diff- differentiates between a storm without thunder and lightning and a storm no, with thunder and lightning. It differentiates between a thunderstorm, a lightning storm, or a hailstorm. Yeah, those are all words. And then a storm can also be just rain. No. I mean, maybe, but you wouldn't, if it rained hard, you wouldn't be like, it's a storm. It's storming out. Yeah, because there's a whole bunch of rain happening and I don't want to go out there. No, I'd just be like, it's raining really hard. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, I digress, but... Okay, I have another quote then. I have heard that a cloth merchant in Lincoln has a privy, not in the yard, but inside his house, in a little room built out over a stream so that the stream washes the waste away. Such a wonder. I have it in my mind to go to Lincoln and see for myself. I would sit in the privy and piss and think about my water flying through the air, sailing on the stream to the river, to the sea, and across to wondrous foreign lands. If I cannot go to faraway places, I would like to think my water went. <laughs> yeah, she talks about bathrooms a lot. She, yeah, she has a lot of investment in bathrooms. My favorite is when they find her, like, sewing and oh, tapestry in yeah, the privy. Yeah, I have that quote. She said, they have, they've been, like, cleaning it out all day. I guess that's something you have to do every once in a while. And they said, they found the remains of several spindles, many skeins of wool, and an unfinished tapestry in the muck from the privy. Why is everyone so certain they are mine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. I think love is like mildew, growing gray and musty on things, spoiling them, and smelling bad. I also quoted that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she also has very conflicted feelings about her uncle, which is kind of weird and creepy sometimes. Yeah. I don't think she actually has a like really a crush on him but she she wants his attention because he's and i kind of get that when you're 13 you're basically one person in your corner and then he like kind of dates her best friend for a little bit and she feels real icky about that and hates it and tries to set like a love curse on them but then realizes when they're apart like her uncle is so miserable and basically falls apart by the end of the book yeah it's real weird it's a weird b plot um there also is like a lot of like and i know it was trying to be like this was what it was like back then, but, like, her brother marries a 12-year-old, and the 12-year-old is pregnant. Like, there's some horrifying things about... I mean, she herself is worried about getting married, and she's only 14. So, like, when you really look at the ages sometimes, you're like, this is all a bit icky. Well, and I mean, her best friend gets married to a 7-year-old for political reasons, and he dies before, like... They even meet, I think. Yeah, like, they've met, like, twice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, they make it pretty clear about sort of the, the political ranges of the ages of marriage in the book. And it's it's a lot of it, like, she almost gets married to a much older man. And actually, that's kind of the one problem I have with the book, is it felt like it ended really abruptly. Basically, she's concerned about getting married, concerned about getting married. She ends up being engaged to an older man who is kind of horrifying to her. And she basically sees his... Uh, messengers come and runs away and there's kind of this message near the end about how you know lots of people sort of give her this side message about how you can be yourself it's just about learning to be yourself in the situation that you're in and so she decides to come back and it turns out oh no actually her her fiance is dead and she's going to marry his son who she's like kind of referenced being interested in who even though she's never met him throughout the book because he seems he seems to be... like he gets her a little more well he's she's never met him but he seems like he's interested in learning and is not in is not like uh his father which is things that intrigues her about and him. he sent her a knife one time like as a present yeah. he sent her a knife that said something like think, think well fond of me of me yeah think yeah. well of me which is i mean a badass gift yeah <laughs> And so, yeah, so she's excited about that. So it kind of goes with her being concerned and being like, oh, now I'm engaged to this guy that seems much better. So it's fine. I'm now excited about my future. And so she's kind of like, it's, it's, it goes from these really sort of longer exploration of her relationship with her family to like her, you know, the it's really like a short period of pages where her mother gives birth to the baby and it turns out it's all fine. Her, you know, fiance is dead and she's reengaged. 
she's in this point where she's sort of pondering how much she loves her hometown and then it's done and she's ready to move on and it just felt really quick and abrupt for like the last 20 pages it was a very abrupt wrap up it definitely could have taken a little more time to breathe and i'm also very disappointed that there's never a sequel yeah like that you're just like oh she has a better person that she's supposed to marry and that's the end like bye Which I, I, I kind of on one hand appreciate that we don't ever find out how it happens, like what happens with that, because we're sort of left in the space of she's moved on from the girl that wrote this diary to the new, new phase of her life. And it's now Schrodinger's fiance, basically, <laughs> like he could be great, he could be bad, we don't know. And I do like that mystery. But yeah, it's also annoying. I would not mind a sequel finding out how it actually goes. Yeah, I also just want more of her. Like, yeah. I mean, the thing that is great about this book is how much is just like her talking and like, yeah, you're getting to learn about a little about what medieval life was like, and that's, like, cool and interesting, but it's also just, like, she's such a fun character. Yeah. Like, she's just, she's snarky, she does not give a fuck, like, she's kind of obnoxious, like, I honestly, I'm not sure if I'd be friends with her or not, like... <laughs> I do love that how much she loves gossip. Like, she's always like, give me the gossip. <laughs> this is why I think I would be friends with her, but it would be, it'd be a complicated friendship because there's, it's one of those friends where she sometimes says stuff where you're just like, that's not cool. Um, uh. But then you're, she, you know, always has the best gossip. She seems pretty fun. Um, she seems like someone you could go have some trouble with. So I think she'd be like one of those like complicated friendships, but overall a good time. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out also that in the, like, really hectic wind-up near the end, did you mention the reason, because she's been fighting against really accepting this engagement that her dad did. So the point that, um, like, there's all these, like, rituals of the time, and one of them is that to really solidify the engagement, the guy sends a gift. And if she accepts the gift, that's saying that she's accepted the engagement, basically. And so she resists for a long time until she really needs the money. And it's like a terrible gift. It's like a silver toothpick and something else. And there's like a bag of silver. Yeah. And she needs the money because she found like a dancing bear at a fair and felt bad for it and wanted to buy it. Well, because the bear was having problems dancing and so they were going to use it for bear baiting. I totally get it and I'm not, but it's like the weirdest, like, well, I had to accept the gift because I needed to save the dancing bear. And it's like literally only like three entries. It's like such a like side note, like, and that's how I got trapped in this engagement. But it also has a big impact because her brother Robert that she hates for the whole book and like has this horrible relationship with is the one who basically is the one that goes to this abbey nearby and finds that they have a men- they have a menagerie there and there she he convinces them to take the bear and so he sort of arranges the whole transport of the bear and everything when no one else in her family is willing to help her save this dancing bear yeah so it was also this big factor in helping resolve this like book long relationship with her brother and it just sort of is an off note which is realistic kind of how families are like relationships are complicated and sometimes there's no strong resolution but it definitely was very quick a couple other notes um there's like all these like there's animals and stuff always around like there's people around she sleeps in a room with just like basically whatever other women happen to be there and people are always just like randomly stopping by and spending the night like and the room is full of birds which is part of what she's called birdie yeah she loves birds she has all these birds in her room um but they talk one time about the puppies made her angry at dinner and she's like they kept trying to eat my food so i swept them off the table i was like you just allowed the puppies to roam on top of the table 
Like, sometimes the little bits that are in here, like, really hammer in how different a place the mm-hmm. world was in, like, England in the 1200s. What's another one? Oh, my God, this was so great. Uh, the 8th day of January, Plow Monday in the Feast of St. Nathalon, Farmer. Today the villagers celebrated what would have been the first day of work since before Christmas if they weren't celebrating instead. <laughs> I was like, the holiday is amazing. We need to bring that back. Oh, man, their Christmas is very extensive. Oh, yes. Like, it's the 12 days of Christmas, and it's a real thing, and there's, like, a Lord of Misrule, and, like... Oh, yeah, her friend Perkin, the goat boy, is the Lord of Misrule. Um, I actually have a quote from... So, basically, like, the Lord of Misrule is, I guess, one of the peasants who is sort of in charge, quote-unquote, for the time, and gives orders and people obey them and it's very fun uh perkin was chosen the lord of misrule so he is master of the christmas revels and we must obey him until christmas is over we made him a scepter wound with holly and a crown of pig bones ivory and bay and are hilariously following his orders even my father laughed at perkin's fantastic fooling he knighted the dogs and led them on a crusade against the barn cats he made me fetch him ale and pinched me for all the times i've pinched him he sat morwena on his lap and ordered my mother to bring them hot wine then he set us to making riddles, promising a reward for the best. I won for my riddle. What is the bravest thing in the world? The neckband of my brother Robert's cloak, for each day it clasps a beast by the throat. So overall, like, I think this holiday is super is super fun and exciting. Yeah, she talks about, like, on, like, the 10th day of Christmas, she's like, I'm so sick of just drunk people around me all the time. <laughs> she's like, every day... I've spent making hangover cures. They don't call it hangover, but, like, making cures for people who have had too much ale. And she's like, including me! (laughs) (laughs) There's also, like, one point when her mom begs them to stop playing games where people get burnt. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there's some sort of game with fire. Yeah, there's, like, a basically bar fight at one point in which a peasant dies. dies. There's also a lot of people's homes get burned down in this book there's yep. a lot of oh yeah you know a chicken it got too close to the fire and caught on fire and burned the house down so we're putting up a new cottage today yeah fires are a real thing in this like, yeah world um and, like some other weird things are uh other holidays like um the first day of the year is on march 25th yeah and there's like a day in uh, november i think they're like this is the day that noah loaded the animals onto the ark <laughs> like that's a holiday there's, like, a feast of St. Cecilia because she's the saint of musicians. Like, there's all these really weird holidays that you're like, what? Well, I mean, when every day is a feast day, yeah. religiously, I mean, a lot of feasting. I have two more quotes that I really like. Like, she's snarky all the time, so I could not quote everything she says that's funny. We could like, basically do a reading of the entire book for you to actually accurately quote this book. Yeah, this book is really funny. Um, I like this, where she is, um, like I said, is not afraid to look at a good-looking guy. <laughs> And her descriptions of them are great. And she said, uh, Let us go then, I said, to watch John Swan unload kegs at the alehouse. Why? she asked. Because he is as beautiful as summer, and his arms ripple like the muscles on a horse's back, and rain plasters his shirt against his chest. I was like, man, that's a good description. I'll go with you to watch him unload kegs at the alehouse. There is a quote in here that reminds me of you. Aw. Inspired by the musicians, I made a St. Catherine song. It begins... Catherine, bless your namesake today. If I ever meet a pagan king, to you I'll pray. Hi, diddly, hey, diddly, sing ho. For save yourself, you didn't know how, but being a saint, mayhap you could do better now. Hi, diddly, hey, diddly, sing ho. This is as far as I've gotten. The hi diddlies are my favorite part. <laughs> I'm like, 
Emily would write this song. Yeah, she spends a lot of time writing songs, and as she says, she has no talent with music. She just likes writing lyrics, basically, and they're always kind of hilariously bad. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, this whole book was just a delight. Like, and I loved reading when I was a kid about the medieval period. It's not something you read a lot of books about. Like, Especially the 1200s. Yeah, there's a lot of books about, like, the 1800s, for sure. Yeah. And stuff. But this is a period of history that people generally don't write about. I think they're afraid of the, um, how dirty and gross and all like that. And like I said, it also helps that she's not exactly true, I think, to the tone of what a girl would actually be like at this time. Yeah. But it's super funny and entertaining. It's like a quick read. It's a joy. Like I said, she even makes the Saints days really, like, I loved reading them every day. They were all very good. Yeah. And especially how much she pulls the Saints days into her narratives about, you know, oh man, she went off and killed her husband. I, you know, and went off and killed her father. I wish I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is just a fun book overall. It does, it, it's a little thin on plot, but I feel like that's fine. Yeah, I think more so than the plot, I just enjoy seeing how like what a year in the life looks like in a tiny village like this the writing is so engaging and i think it's it's you know the overall plot about her getting married is less interesting than her sort of day-to-day observations about the world around her her interactions with the people and um her man like where she lives and with like the goat boy yeah and i mean there's a author's note at the back that of my version at least um, that I remember reading as a kid, where it says that this point in time in this country is basically a foreign world to all of us. And it's like, yeah, there's not much plot, but there is just, like, us trying to get our bearings of, like, as the reader. Mm-hmm. She's just describing the things around her and not trying to, like, dumb it down for you. And so you have to be like, okay, what? Wait, you do this every day? <laughs> like, oh, this is your life? Yeah, I think that really is, I think the, the strong point of the book is it's educational about the world with in a way that's so engaging. So it really does make you learn things in a way that doesn't feel like learning. Yeah, it's so good and so funny. Like, she would be, I mean, she's the kind of girl who, even though this was written in 1995, I was like... She would be on Twitter, she'd be making memes, she'd be like... I feel like she'd be very happy about the 280 character expansion for Twitter, because I feel like some of her, her posts would need that extra bit of, bit of time. She'd yeah. be very good at threads. Yeah. Also, I think she'd definitely be on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a fun character. Love hanging out with her. Love how she walks the line of not being, like, perfect, but isn't annoying. Yeah. She also, I mean, even in just things like, like, she's not afraid to talk about gross, dirty things, but she also will, like, describe this crazy red dress she loves and stuff. Like, she she is a well-rounded character that isn't too much of trying to be like, oh, I am entirely this one thing, which is someone who doesn't care about clothes. Yeah, and she's someone who's also really actively engaged in the world around her, and I feel like I like the fact that she's someone that is a bit self-absorbed, but also does try to do good things, like... When Perkins' grandmother dies, he helps arrange that um, the, her, his grandmother's cottage will go to this new couple that want to get married but can't get married until they build a cottage, so it's still a couple years out. So she is really actually invested in the lives of the peasants that are beholden to her family and trying to make things better, even though at times, you know, she's also really self-invested and self-involved in her own world, which I think is, the you know, how we all are. I think it's very realistic how they portray what she's interested in. Yeah, overall... 
This is such a good book. I just really it's enjoyed it. such a it. good That's book. All. I just keep repeating the same thing, but like, y'all, go out and read this book, So you man. would recommend this book is what you're saying. Oh my god, I would recommend this book in a heartbeat. Like, I really, really had forgotten how good this book was. Like, I knew I liked it a lot as a kid, but I thought it was one of those things where it was like, I was obsessed with it. I did tend to like historical fictions as a kid, and this is the only one that was really set in this time period. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's probably a fine book, but I bet a lot of it was just like my weird, like, give me history but no i reread it and i was like this book is dope (laughs) how had i forgotten how funny this book is oh it's such a good book yeah i'm really sad i never read this because historical fiction just wasn't my thing as a kid so i definitely understood why i wouldn't have stumbled across this but i do regret that fact i think i would have really liked this a lot yeah so i would give this book a nine i do agree that the ending is pretty rushed and kind of like I feel like as a kid, I lost interest a lot when it got to the end because it was so suddenly forcing a plot into it where there yeah. kind of hadn't been one. Yeah, that kind of really slows it down for me. Yeah, but- I'm giving it a nine for the exact same reason. I really loved it. I thought it was so great. And then you hit the end and it kind of stops. And, you know, they were. Sh- I felt like the message about who she should be, it made sense how they were sort of portraying it and pushing it and the characters that were, but I felt like she suddenly like learned her lesson a little too quickly and went home and everything was fine and it felt really abrupt. So, but everything is so good. The writing is so good that I would give it a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Any other quotes you want to share? Anything else about the book? No, I mean, I'd be here all day. I know. Just go read it for yourself. They're all so good quotes. So, you recommend this to everyone. Yes, definitely. Buy it for the kids in your life. Just read it yourself. You yeah. need a short, funny read. This is the ideal kind of read for, like, get it on the Kindle from your library. Read this on a plane ride somewhere. Like, I was dead on when I bought this for a plane <laughs> ride. This is, like, it's short, it's fun, it's not too dense. It's great. It's great for like a one and done, sit down, something fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, buy this for a kid and then before you give it to them, read it yourself. You can get through it pretty quickly. Yeah. Buy it for all the snarky kids in your life. <laughs> yeah, if you have any child that has like some some deep sassiness that's just waiting to sort of emerge, get them this book. They need this book. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was so fun to read as an adult. Definitely go check it out from the library. Do something to get your hands on it. You know, everyone, everyone read this book. Have fun. Have a good fun afternoon. Fun plane flight. <laughs> no one has a fun plane flight. I have a fun plane flight. I like flying, though. Flying is terrible. It's have something so to, like, save you from your deep-seated anxiety at getting oh, on a scary a... tube. I love flying. <sighs> You get to see all the clouds up close. One time we flew above a thunderstorm and got to let all the lightning lighting up below me, and that was the best flight ever. Your nightmare. I know. That's that's horrible. I know. We're very different about Here's flying. Here's the thing. You're in a metal tube. I know. Don't be near the lightning. I like to sit near the wings so I can watch them go up and down. I sit as close to the aisle as possible, in the aisle if possible. I always text a picture of my, my wing view to my dad, and I'm like, look, I got a good seat. And he's like, yeah, my dad really likes flying, too. My grandpa was a pilot. <laughs> I am from a ground-based people. <laughs> I enjoy cars. <laughs> yeah. They take me places in a long, meandering fashion. Well, my other grandpa built cars. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that grandpa. That grandpa's a good grandpa. Yeah, they were both in... They, that was what they both did in World War II. Okay. Wow, got wow. off topic. Wow, read this Hello. book. <laughs> read, this, read this book. We like this book. Um, So overall, we recommend this. And I think that's everything for us. 
Our music this week is Heartbreaker by Jazar. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. Or you can also find us on Twitter and say, hi, yes, there is a human being listening to your podcast. Scream at us in the void at throwbackbspod. Um, I think that is everything, unless you have anything else. That's all I got. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. I probably should have mentioned something about all the weird cursing. There's just so much to mention in this book. Or the fact that they eat, like, a million eels. They eat so many eels in medieval England. Who knew?